You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. The following podcast does contain spoilers from Season 8, Episode 3 of Game of Thrones. Welcome to this episode of the Thrones Y'all podcast. My name is Jamie. I'm your host. We are here on episode three doing a recap of Game of Thrones. And I am excited to always do these chats with you because it's so much fun. We get all excited on Twitter and then we get to recap it all over again on the podcast. And our wonderful moderator, Angelica, is back with us to break it down for us the episode last night and we have a special guest here that's joining us alex uh to give feedback and we're just gonna dive right into this so thank you angelica and welcome alex to episode three of the thrones y'all podcast thank you thank you all right so let's get to it um so i'm just gonna say first thoughts on the episodes miguel sapachnik killed it yet again yet again he um he directed Battle of the Bastards, so he was definitely the right person to choose to do this epic battle. Um, what were some of your first thoughts, Jamie? Well, first of all, I couldn't see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can we get some more lighting added to these uh, shots here? Because it was it was hard to watch. Um, like, it was dark, but it was, like, literally dark. Um, but I, <laughs> but I, I, I really enjoyed uh, seeing the opening sequence uh, for the episode. Yeah, I think someone has said the whole point of Beric Dondari in this episode was to light the scenes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what did you think, Alex? So I was the same exact way. So I literally kept pausing it in the beginning and playing with like my contrast and my brightness because I was like, hold on, is it my TV? What's going on? Finally, I turned everything up and I was like, look, we're just going to have to settle and just hope for the best. Excellent. And you know what? Excuse my manners. Pardon me. I did not um, give you, Alex, the opportunity to introduce yourself to our EGM podcast audience. So please tell us, you know, who you are, what you do and what got you into Game of Thrones. (laughs) 
All right. So uh, my name is Alex. I am an entrepreneur. I have my hands in all types of different businesses, primarily real estate. Um, I have been a nerd my entire life. Anything sci-fi, fantasy, I'm there. You know, um, of course, all the other nerds in the world right now, April has been a very touching month for us. You know, everything yes. from Endgame over to Game of Thrones and all these characters dying. So yeah, it's touching. But Game of Thrones, ever since it first came out, I was like, you know what? This is pretty cool. I heard the hype about it. I started watching it. We all know the first two to three episodes is kind of slow. But then after that, I was hooked all the way, religiously watching it. Nice, nice. And by the way, no discussion on Endgame. I still have not seen Endgame. <laughs> it's okay. Me either. Me either. I was at a music festival this weekend, and I, I couldn't get a chance to get a break to go to the movie theater, but I will make that a priority this week. Oh, yeah. Me too. Um, me too. <laughs> Are you taking me? Yes. All right. We in there. All right. <laughs> so let's get into this. Um, so I just wanted to touch on just a few things before we get into the actual like battle itself, but I did appreciate how even though it was in a central location, they changed it up. It wasn't just one battle in an open field. I didn't really get battle fatigue. I wasn't bored. They went from that open battlefield um, and they interwove that with uh, character-driven storytelling and they went um, into like even the aerial dog fights. They even ended up being like a whole zombie flick at the end of the episode. So yeah, I, I really appreciate like the Walking Dead. Yeah, it was yeah, like the Walking Dead, but better. Um, <laughs> so yeah. those are my little moments there. But um, let's get into it then. So we open up with Sam and his shaking hands. Um, so you basically see everybody getting prepared. I would say like the first 10 minutes of the episodes was everybody prepping for battle. Um, you, like the chess pieces were being moved into place. Um didn't you listen to say about that, Alex, about wine or something? So in the beginning, right after, you know, they show uh, Sam with his shaking hands and so forth, you see Tyrion walking over to the wine cart. And when he does that, um, he he loads up on like three different wine bags or whatnot. And then Bran is being pushed by and Bran literally looks at him like, you alcoholic, you serve no purpose <laughs> during, during this battle. You should definitely go back and take a look at like that three second scene because it is hilarious. Shout out to Tyrion, by the way, because Tyrion is totally me. Like any kind of stressful <laughs> situation, I am going to go to the liquor cabinet and I'm drinking. I am drinking. So um, Tyrion was me in last night's episode for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Wait, Jamie, what's your drink of choice? Oh, gosh. Well, so I like sweet drinks. So I love Malibu rum. Okay. Um, and I like to mix it with different juices. Yeah. So I'm, I'm more of a a sweet drink kind of girl but yeah malibu rum is my jam gotcha i'm hardcore i like fireball <laughs> oh my god so many memories of fireball so many memories. <laughs> what about you alex what you drinking on the battle night oh i'm right there fireball all the way 100 okay awesome <laughs> <laughs> and then that fits in the theme with the show yes right? fire yeah i bet in there good one um so and then like everyone's getting set up and i just appreciate the fact that ghost got some actual screen time he was lined up with the dothraki so i was like yes don't kill him <laughs> um yes he survives because we saw like a little snippet of him next week's episode a little, so thank you little glimpse um so as the dothraki yeah. are preparing they're actually i would consider them i'm not sure if they're the vanguard and the cavalry I'm not sure the technical war term but they were up front and everybody's getting ready and then here comes a visitor like gandalf out of lord of the Rings. she just pulls up 
she's like says her little spell and she sets all these like <laughs> giant like what do you call those sword thingies what, uh, what are they called, I don't know what they're called. It's, it's, there's a word yeah. for it but the curved swords were on fire <laughs> yes melisandra come through so I, 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 I'm happy that she, you know, did what she did. I, you know, she's still someone who I don't care for because she's done a lot of bad things. <laughs> but um, again, like we talked about in the last two episodes of this podcast, this is the redemption tour. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she had that moment with the fire spell. And there's something ironic that she used I don't know if it's the same exact fire mm-hmm. spell, but she used the spell of fire to save lives of many people, which this was the same kind of spell that killed a young, innocent girl. Um, so there's some interesting irony there. Oh, yeah. Like, we get it. You did your thing, but you're still not forgiven. So <laughs> in seven hells, burning seven hells. Um, yeah. So actually, um, she has a few moments when she pulls up. So she kind of sets fired to the Dothraki's um, curved swords and then she goes into the castle like she owns the place and then Sir Davos like stops her like what's good and you know she's like eh, don't even worry about executing me I'll be dead by dawn so yeah Davos wanted to kill her on sight on sight and then she kind of spots Arya up in the ramparts and they have like this meaningful look between the two of them which we'll get to that later but it involves uh, something that she prophesied for Arya um so yeah Arya ends up being the MVP of this episode but we'll get to that so the battle begins the Dothraki charge with their fiery swords. We're all like, yeah, they're going to kill it. Like, you know how devastating a Dothraki army is. Like, those screamers don't play. No. <laughs> Them lights went out. Out. So the whole thing is, all the other times we saw the Dothraki, like, you see them, like, the carnage, the havoc, how effective they are at their job of killing. And then you see them charging, and we're all hype. Ten seconds later... All the lights are gone. Like, it was a shock. Like, jaw dropped. I'm sitting there like, okay, what happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? Insane, man. Insane. Yeah, I mean, somebody, actually, a lot of people online pointed this out, that um, the Dothraki was basically, like, the sacrificial Negro trope in this episode. (laughs) um, Because... They, because they sacrificed their lives for Winterfell, which is a place that never would have wanted them there in the first place. So just like all of these soldiers, kind of annihilated, and and it's for the, I don't know, white savior trope. I don't know if I I agree with that sentiment, but that's what I was seeing a lot um, online with respect to the uh, annihilation of the Dothraki tribe. Well, if you think about True. the position of the Unsullied, it starts to make sense where the bulk of the troops are the basically minorities, and then they're the ones that were led pretty much to the slaughter. So when it's all said and done, all the um, all the Dothraki are completely dead. Unsullied, I'm pretty sure a large percentage of them were wiped out. So who was actually left? Mm-hmm. And then you pretty much, you know... You can you can you can see where it's going from here. But see, my thing with that, I get it, I understand it, but at the same time, who are the most effective fighters in this fight? The Dothraki and the Unsullied. So it would make sense to have them up front. They're the vanguard. So I get it. I understand you, but I, I don't think in writing this they meant it to be like, let's kill all the black people. <laughs> I think it just just turned out that way. And Dothraki are brown if we want to get technical, but yeah. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, so I just meant it more metaphorically about mm-hmm. the sacrificial Negro trope, but still, yeah, they're brown folks that sacrifice their lives for the very white Winterfell. Very um, white. I, I don't know. There, there's probably some argument to be had, but I think somebody on Twitter said something about, yeah, this is the same guys that did the no Confederate, you know, show, or yeah. tried to do the no Confederate well, show, and I'm just like, okay, in, guys. in their defense, that show is written by black people, so let's not be mad at D&D. <laughs> let's 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 go let's get at our people on that one not all skin folk are your not all kill folk are your skin folk i don't know how it goes but yeah that was a brand by black people um so moving on um so the dothraki charge Jorah somehow gets out of that danny is freaking out they were supposed to wait out for the night king but she pulled a total john move and went and got on drogon anyway to try to salvage whatever Dothraki were still alive out there so they're like lighting up and then you see like Jamie and Brienne getting into it and I'm like okay Jamie doing your thing even though you only have like the one arm looks like Bronn was hopping in out there and then he actually saves Brienne at one point so there's like all these little scuffles then you see like Sam trying his best but like A for effort but you suck and ends up having our first death of the episode Ed comes through to take care of his boy and because Sam is basically a liability, he gets basically has a sword through his back. So yeah, RIP to, to Ed, drink one for the homie. Sam should have just stayed in the crypts. I'm just saying like, Sam, I know you feel, you know, empowered in some way because you killed a white walker, uh, but that doesn't make you a warrior. So you really should have just stayed in your lane here. Um, so, hold on, hold yeah. on. He did kill a ten too. White Walker what? and a thin. Hey, it's still Sam though. Um, mm. So as far as characters such as Sam, uh, let's uh, real quick touch on Podrick and his glow game. Like from where he came <laughs> to where he was in this battle, night and day difference, like hands down, all the respect to that guy. Brand did a good job of training him. Brand. Something like Bran for a second. Oh, Bran, Bran, Bran. Bran. Oh, okay, Bran. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, and then Grey Worm, he kind of prepares himself. Like, this whole episode, I tweeted, if Grey Worm goes down, we riot. Like, right. I was, I had my eyes on Grey Worm the whole episode. Me too, so girl. Still, <laughs> girl, I was, I was about to go ham on Twitter. So... Grey Worm steals himself, he gets ready, and they like come flying in. It's kind of like a callback to um season six with the Battle of the Bastards when John's facing off against the Boltons by himself, and then like the two armies clash. Like same thing happened, except it was like the living versus the dead. So I thought my boy got overrun. I'm like, that's how he's going out? Like trampled by a bunch of whites. Like I wasn't feeling it, but he managed to escape. Um, and so back on the ramparts, Arya and Sansa are looking on at the battle, and Arya orders Sansa to go back to the crypts. And they have this cute little moment from like a call back to season one. She gives her a dragon glass dagger, and Sansa's like, "What do I do with this?" And Arya goes, "What, what was it? Hit him with the <laughs> stick him with the pointy <laughs> with the pointy end." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, those crypts. Yeah, about that. Um, but yeah, we uh, we basically the, the army is basically overrun by these whites. They end up retreating. The unsullied hold it down. Like they were the reason why Winterfell survived because they stood strong. And you know, they just. I mean, they held they held their own. I can't really say that they won, but they definitely held their own. Um, they end up 
going right in front of the trenches. Uh, we see Graylin run back, and he's like waiting because Danny's supposed to light these trenches on fire. But for whatever reason, oh, because the Night King brought in the winner. For whatever reason, they can't see. So we're like, what are we gonna do? There's no fire. Like, what's gonna hold them off? You know, Grey Worm sets that thing where the the, the gate comes up, and then Melisandre comes in, saves the day again. She starts. Yeah, so what was it praying again and it's not fast enough for me i'm like girl like come with it let's go and like just the nick of time melisandre lights the trenches and we're safe for like 30 seconds yeah so my whole thing with that part is the night king just released the ultimate cheat code like where did this blizzard <laughs> come from like how did he mask everything like seriously when the writer, when the writers wrote that, I, I'm trying to understand where they came from with that concept and why they allowed it to happen. Because they bring winter. They they brought a whole blizzard. Um. So yeah. So they're temporarily okay. Um. Up in the air, you know, the dra- John and Danny are on their dragons. They're struggling. There's low visibility. They're cold. They're freezing. The Night King, like you said, pulled out a cheat code. He's cheating. He brought out the ice storm. So then we kind of moved to the crypts. Oh, and I, I want to say, like, even though it wasn't romantic, did you see that, like, that shot of the two dragons once they, like, went over top of the ice storm and it was, like, a whole new world? Did you notice that, Jamie? No, I didn't. Yeah, they, they, they had a moment. I mean, it wasn't romantic at all, but, like, let's say it was that would have been nice uh, i was just really frustrated to see the siblings fight like this like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't fight with your brother so i was i was kind of sad to see the dragons going at it you know with each other so. yeah well unfortunately viserion had no choice <laughs> he's, True. he's dead um yeah. so we go to the crypts um, and Tyrion's saying he wants to get in on the action um, because, you know, he was a big part of why the Battle of the Blackwater was successful. And Sansa's like, no, you're staying down here. You would be dead up there. And then Tyrion kind of has this cute little line. It's almost like he's like flirting with his ex-wife. Like he wants that old thing back. And he's just like, we should have stayed married. And Sansa says, uh, you were the best of them, but it wouldn't have worked between us. And then Tyrion's like, well, why not? And she tells him, well, the dragon king- queen would have divided us. So Masande's like, uh-uh, nah, you're not about to talk about my friend like that. First of all, if it wasn't for her, we'd all be dead. And then she like walks off with that wonderful, uh, wonderful curl. So yeah, like Masande wasn't having it tonight. You're not about to talk about her friend. Yeah. And I, at first I was thinking, you know, Sansa, stop. Don't, please do not go back to being like season three Sansa again. Like yes. don't do this. Um, season one through three Sansa, I should say. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think basically Sansa had a good point that Tyrion's loyalty would be divided between Sansa and the queen because he is the hand to the queen. Right. And politically, politically, it would never work. So, understanding it from that perspective i'm like yeah it's true i mean it, it probably wouldn't be a good idea uh that they would have stayed married this is true but she didn't have to throw all that shade <laughs> well you know she throwing it Sansa and, and danny for that matter they, both of them are complicit in the shade that's they okay, really are like that's okay because masande got her back so it's all good that's right <laughs> masande stood up for her girl so yeah right. that's what's up <laughs> so we moved to the godswood um so we got good old theon on his redemption arc he's defending uh brand with the ironborn he takes his moment 
I guess in a quiet moment in the battle to apologize for his sins. And Bran, once again, is really philosophical. He's saying everything you've done has brought you to where you are today, where you belong, home. And you could tell like that's something that Theon has been wanting to hear for so long. So once again, Theon is on this redemption arc. And ultimately, we know what happens to him, but it was good to hear those words. This was like stop number two on the redemption tour. Stop number one was saving Yara this season, and and this is his second stop. And uh, it's it's I, I'm I'm glad to see that it's a full circle moment for Theon because he was a selfish and you know just a really disturbing character in the earlier seasons, and now we've we've seen a completely different side to him, and he's proved that you know you can do really bad things, and then you can. Um, make up for that and and redeem yourself and and he's done that so it was good to see that moment yeah that's uh that's true in the grand scheme of things i am very happy on how everything transpired with him but um like you said earlier referring to a twitter article article that you read in general it was stating that at the end of the day theon was still a slave you know um so with that aspect is like i can understand a lot of things that he did and then at the end when bran was like you know you're home i can understand why theon appreciates that because he was born and raised there but i was like at the end of the day he was taken from somewhere else and placed there no matter how well the starks actually treated him he still was not actually family yeah but that's also kind of the times um that's the wages of war you lose your sons are being fostered somewhere else and that's what it is. And yeah, Theon did feel a bit like a bit of an outcast, but as we all said, um, but maybe that's ultimately what shaped him to become the person that he became because he was rejected. He felt like he had to compensate for that and, you know, do all of these really terrible things to prove that he's worthy in some respect. And, you know, he had a really weird way of doing it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know that's uh unfortunately the consequence of what happens when you treat people like outcasts yeah so. well he's almost like a, he's a foil to john in my opinion you know john went the other mm-hmm. route john decided not to take that out on other people he uh went the honorable True. route whereas theon went the douchebag route so yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> um we're in yep so we move on to oh yeah and then Bran goes I'm gonna go now like so creepy that was so creepy <laughs> like where are you going <laughs> I'm gonna go now and he walks into this flock of ravens and they're swooping over the battle and as, as Bran's watching we like see the Night King and he's back better than ever um so he once again cheats he puts the fire out on the trenches which leaves winterfell vulnerable to attack and now these whites they walk right through and they swarm the castle like it reminded me so much of hound's deep with all the orcs like swarming the walls and trying to climb up and everyone's like man the walls man the walls same deal so, um, and throughout all this chaos, the Night King once again has his come at me bro moment with John. He's like looking at John like, I see you, let's go. So like fly up in the air. And then on the walls, it was so much going on. I had to pause like three or four times just to figure out who was out there fighting. But we had Gendry fighting with his hammer. Sam was out there doing what Sam does. Joy <laughs> was out there. Jamie was up there. Brienne, Grey Worm, they're all fighting all along the walls. Um, and this time, Brienne saves Jamie. Um, and then 
my favorite person in this battle scene was Arya Mother Effin Stark. She killed it. Like you know, she she gave Gendry those battle pl- or the, the the plans for that uh that spear with the dragon glass on either end of it. Like she was killing it. Like her water style was the ultimate style to to kill whites. Like I'm taking up water dancing just in case we have a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> like it's happening. So she's fighting, she's doing her thing, she's taking them out left and right, and then she kind of gets knocked over, somebody runs into her, she has this big gash on her head, and she kind of loses it for a second. Um, she gets shaken up, and she's not at 100%, so at that point, she's just trying to escape, I guess, to get her, you know, get, get her grounds, uh, get, get the grips about her, um, and that at this point, the hound's hiding in the corner, because you know how he feels about fire, he got PTSD, he was like, you know what, I'm not doing this. <laughs> so Barry's like, no, we have to keep fighting. Like he's like, you can't beat death. And then he points to Arya. He was like, well, tell her that. So you know, the hounds are not about to be one up by a little girl. So he keeps on fighting the good fight, but he was about to be out of there. Yeah, he had a panic attack. Yeah, poor I, know. Guy. I was just like, man. Yeah, the dudes. The dudes in this episode were just not mm-hmm. really. <laughs> They weren't really reliable. Between the Hound and Samuel, I'm just like, you guys. Get it together. Let's let the women take over on this one. We got this. Hold my beer. So speaking of badass women, or I guess little girls, Liana. (laughs) I I mean, we had some hurtful deaths this episode, but that one got me right in the heart. Like, I... (laughs) First of all, she's out there. I told her to take her butt in the house. She wasn't trying to listen. So she was out there. The big old giant white pulls up on her, knocks her to the side. I was like, no. And then, you know, she's not about to be put down. So she gets up and she has like this war cry. She runs to the giant white. He picks her up. You can feel him or like literally crunching her bones. But my girl is not going down without a fight. Okay. She stabs him right in the eye. And they both go down. And I was just like, no. <laughs> I was screaming. She went out like a G, though. She went like out like a G. G. At, at first, I wasn't sure that she was Me dead. Too. Like, I guess maybe I was in denial. Because <laughs> I'm like, is she okay? Like, maybe she's still breathing. But then her eyes um, turned blue. And then, yeah, that was the confirmation. So. I had like a proud father moment when that happened. I was like, you know, you went out like a G. You deserve everything after this. <laughs> I know, my girl. Um, but what I love so much about it is that Bella Ramsey, who plays Leona Mormont, she was only meant to do one scene, which was back in season six when our season, yeah, season six when John was trying to rally the troops for the Battle of the Bastards. She was only meant for one scene, but that little girl was so good. They decided to bring her on and they gave her an honorable death. So RIP shout out to Leona Mormont. I will be having a drink in your honor at some point tonight. Um, so in the castle it kind of turns into a zombie film Um, Arya is very claustrophobic Arya is running through the passages she's avoiding whites left and right we're in close quarters and then she somehow gets trapped in the library which that scene gave me so much anxiety I couldn't even take it like every time she turned around there'd be another white and she had to be quiet or they'd like kill her so I was just like oh my god is she gonna make it out and she does 
It looked like a video oh, game. Yes. Like I thought it was like a, <laughs> a video game going through the different mm-hmm. tunnels, and it felt like a maze. So it was interesting to yeah. watch that. that it was scene Resident shot. Evil Overload. Like I was just like, oh, yeah. God, I can't take it. And then as soon as she escapes, she closes the door ever so slightly. It shuts closed, and then like they come busting out another door, and I was like, I can't. My my emotions, I can't take it. So um yeah, so basically they start attack. Well, they start chasing after her. Um, um, Barrick and the Hound are also in the hall. They find her. Uh, the Hound pulls her to safety, and Barrick just takes him, takes him in the gut, takes him in the back. He's like literally, like not to be sacrilegious, but it was kind of like a Christ-like moment. He like puts his hands up against like either side of the walls, and he's like being stabbed in his side. Like that was definitely a reference. And he dies right seven times. That's the magic number. So Barrick um, was brought mm-hmm. back for a reason. And this was the reason to save Arya Stark. Which plays into something great that happens with her later. So yeah, it makes complete sense why that sacrifice had to happen. Absolutely. And he dies in Arya's arms. Um, Mel happens to be in the Great Hall with them. And, you know, they kind of recognize each other. Arya's like, hey, I know you. And she's like, yeah, I know you. And it goes back to the prophecy. The last time Melisandre and Arya saw each other, she kind of gives her a pep talk and she tells her, well, the original prophecy was, I see darkness in you. And that darkness, and in that darkness, eyes are staring back at me. Brown eyes, green eyes, blue eyes, eyes you'll shut forever. So I was just like, Oh my God, Blue Eyes! Yeah. That was season three, right? Yeah, yeah, it was season three. Not to say, not to Tom, you know, toot my own horn or anything, but the second she said Blue Eyes, I called it. I was like, yo, we all know what she's about to do now. Just saying. <laughs> called it. I think anyone with a brain called that. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. <laughs> shade so she um she gives like the little pep talk and then she kind of wants another callback call back to season one with cereal pharrell r.i.p cereal um she says what do we say to the god of death not today not today so Arya runs off we don't know what she about to do but she's off to do something so that kind of cuts to the aerial dogfights. Once again, the sibling rivalry is heavy up in here. For whatever re- for whatever reason, Viserion is like undefeatable. Like the- he's being attacked by two dragons, and they're not doing anything. Um, so they're fighting up in the air. Somehow the Night King gets knocked off. Now he's vulnerable. Uh, Viserion or not Viserion, Rhaegal gets injured somehow, and then John falls off. So um, at this point. The Night King, he's standing in the field. Danny has her eyes on him. She's on top of Drogon. You know, the classic. You like you you think this is gonna happen, and then she she yells Dracaris and he's set on fire. You're like, yes! But at the same time, you're like, this is too easy. This is too easy. And the smoke clears, and that smug old Night King is looking at her like, girl, <laughs> dragon fire ain't about to do nothing to me. And I was like, come on, like, what else can go wrong in this battle? So then, okay, so when I tweeted, because I I see that probably you might disagree with me on this, but when (laughs) I tweeted, as soon as the fire was descended upon the Night King and he emerged from the flames, I'm like, okay, that's it. He's a Targaryen. He's got that Targaryen blood running through his veins. Mm -hmm. So, um, no. Yes. Okay. Maybe. So 
maybe, 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 because um, David Bainoff and D.B. Weiss basically said we there was no telling whether or not the dragon fire could affect them. It's very possible the children of the forest just gave him that vulnerability. So it may not be because he's a Targaryen. It could just be that's the, I mean he's supposed to be this super monster killing machine. So why would you let mm-hmm. him be vulnerable by getting killed by dragon fire? Um, and there, I mean, there's always been rumors about what the Night King was in the books. Um, he he's rumored the Great Other is rumored to be a Stark, and so we don't know what house he comes from or no house at all but i mean he could very well be a targaryen because people say he wrote the dragon but at the same time he has power over the dead so Viserion is a dead dragon hence the power right, over him. technically a dragon right right, right. so it could, I, I think it could go either way either he is a targaryen a distant relative or he's not he just happens to be like superhuman so either way no one's wrong in this one <laughs> alex um, what do you think no, I'm pretty much right there. So I don't think he's a Targaryen. I'm pretty sure that when he was created, they just gave him that invulnerability. Like, there's no reason why he should die from dragon fire. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to stick with that for now. But when we get to the next scene and we actually talk about the dragon and with John, then I do have a comment about that, though. Okay, well, that's coming up. So John once again does something dumb, but it's John. He rushes the Night King. <laughs> And the the Night King one ups him like he does every time, and he raises the dead. He raised everyone that was killed from the living. He raises them up with his hands up, like "Hey, get up!" And you know, Ed opens his eyes, and I was like, "No, not Ed!" And then we get confirmation that Liana is indeed dead because she opens up the big mm-hmm. blue Mickey blue eyes. Um, so John is now surrounded, and once again, he has to fight his way out. So that leads us back to the crypts. And remember how we kept talking about the crypts? They're so safe. Go to the crypts. You'll be fine. Negative. (laughs) Thankfully, nobody was risen from the dead that was actually buried in the crypts, but the dead still found a way. So that's safe haven. Yeah, not so much. People are getting killed left and right. So that leaves, you know, Sansa and Tyrion hiding behind like, I guess a crypt hiding behind a burial and they're looking at each other and Sansa grabs her dragon glass um, dagger and they just have this moment. Tyrion takes her hand and kisses it and I just start crying. (laughs) It was too much. It was too much. Um, So that's all going on. Um, Then we go back to the battlefield. Uh, John somehow made it through all those whites. Now he's in the courtyard of Winterfell. He's fighting through. He's in search of the Night King. Um, John is set up to be our hero. We're thinking he's going to end this. Um, Danny's back out in the field. Um, somehow the whites rush Drogon, uh, and Drogon's like, "Eh, get off of me!" He like flies out, shakes them off, like flies. But Danny's left behind, so she's by herself in this field, surrounded by murderous whites. And guess who comes to save the day? Sir Friendzone. He jumps in. <laughs> He jumps in for his woman and he saves her. Danny gets her sword too. She getting it. And I just want to comment. People kept saying that Danny does not have power. All she does is rely on her minions. But when Danny needs to get ish done, she gets it done. Because she picked up her sword and she was out there getting it just like Jorah. So, ow. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it, it was it was beautiful and poetic. Like I, I had a feeling that we probably wouldn't be seeing uh, much of Jorah after uh, this episode, and and him dying for Danny is exactly 
the way he wanted it. Absolutely. And, and it was just beautiful to see that. And and it's kind of interesting. Like the theme of this whole entire episode was about sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Jor sacrifices himself for Danny. Beric sacrificed himself for Arya. Mm-hmm. Ed sacrificed himself for Sam. So there's this sacrificial theme that's going on. And, and I think it's interesting the way the writers kind of carve that out for this, this episode. Exactly. Exactly. And the one thing that, um, I noticed too, is that this death, I think hurt Danny the most. I've like, I've never seen her cry this hard over any lost friend or yes. companion. So that itself was touching. And I was like, as far as Jorah, this was like the last nod and salute to him. So yeah, kudos on that. Yeah, yeah, and and it's the end of House Mormont. Um, That's it. Yeah, yeah, they're all gone. I'm, I'm yeah. sure there's a distant relative somewhere, but all the ones we care about are gone. And then Drogon, he comes back and he like he swoops down and puts his head next to his mommy, and he's like, "It's okay, mom." Yeah, that was so adorable. That was so sweet. Yeah, like, oh, take care of your mama. Remind me of my kid. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was sad, but it was beautiful all at the same time. Yeah. So we actually go to the Godswood at this point, um, and we're back in the courtyard as well. So uh, John's out here ducking and dodging Viserion, trying to find the Night King. Um, now we have our heroes back in battle, and you notice Sam once again is out there uh, doing his best to kill whites and normally john would have stopped to save him to save him but he's like mm, you're on your own friend and he kind of like runs off to find the night king um you know gray mom's hurting his own john pod jamie brand everybody's out there fighting for their lives um so we go to the godswood which is basically the final standoff of this episode theon i must say he killed it like all the ironborn are dead Dion literally has like a stick and he's fighting off all those whites by himself single-handedly handling business and then Bran's just sitting there um, <laughs> so eventually the night king makes his way to the godswood this is what he's this is this is the target this is what he's here for they kind of part ways he rolls in with cool like like beyonce with destiny's child he just like <laughs> Like the wind was blowing through their hair. It was, it was great. Um, And so Theon turns around, looks at Bran. They have like this unspoken moment. And then Bran says it verbally. He says, Theon, you're a good man. Thank you. And I lost it. Like I (laughs) just broke down into tears because his, his redemption redemptive arc is closing now and theon looks back he kind of nods and like shout out to alfie allen for playing like the hell of this role like his facial expression like the hurt in his eye like you could see like the one tear about the drop i was just like i love him give him an emmy so he kind of steals himself he turns around and he rushes the night king just to give brand just one more moment of safety and we all know he's not going to be the one to take him out the night king snatches the stick and stabs him through the what was it, the stomach like straight through the body so you know theon dies he paid for his sins and blood but he went out like a g he went out like a g and over the last three seasons he's really worked hard to redeem himself i know i gave him a hard you time did. in episode one when i was talking <laughs> i still feel some type of way about those boys like they didn't deserve that but anyway um you know, he's worked hard yes. to redeem himself. And I think this being the last words that he ever heard, you're a good man, mm-hmm. was his closure. That was the moment of closure. Again, it's very poetic. And Theon dies having this piece about who he is. Right. So it, 
beautiful writing beautiful. there. Beautiful I'm, writing. I'm tearing up now. Um, <laughs> steal yourself, girl. Get it together. <laughs> you a gangster. Um, so the night king, <laughs> the night king, no longer has anyone in the way. He walks up to Bran. Sashay's over to Bran. Bran is sitting there looking unbothered. Like, dog, do your thing. Like, you ain't about nothing. And then out of nowhere like the, there's like a wind that like goes through the hair of his like lieutenant the white walker lieutenants and then like you look up and Arya just like leaps out from out of nowhere from behind him the night king turns around he like grabs her grabs her by the wrist she has a dagger in her hand she drops the dagger it goes into her other hand she stabs him in the chest and we're all like cheer we're like yo she's the girl <laughs> I like stood up. I was screaming. I, uh, it was beautiful. And like once again, women are kicking ass this episode. Like it. we all thought it was John. Who runs the world, girl? Who, who runs the world? Speaking of Beyonce references. <sighs> yeah. So we thought John was gonna take care of it. I mean, John has his little moment at the end. He stands up to Viserion and looks like he's about to try to take him out on his own. And in that moment, that's when Arya takes care of business and the entire army is out just like we said last episode take out the head t- of the snake the rest of the body will die so it, it, they they really again with the writing the writing on this show is so brilliant because we're, we're having another full circle moment we talked about how melisandre in season three mentions that you know she'll meet Arya again and has the red eyes brown eyes blue eyes conversation so that comes in full circle and then the very dragon glass dagger that she killed the night king with bran mm-hmm. gave her that dragon glass so and it was also in front of the weirwood tree where it happened so i i just think it's so cool at you know, that we have this moment that sort of parallels with previous Mm -hmm. moments at the Godwood, you know, the Night King himself was born and destroyed at a weirwood tree. So just a lot of great symbolism was happening. Mm -hmm. And I I absolutely love it. So it's almost, I don't know, it's almost as if it really was meant for Arya to be the one to to complete this task. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it was because she deserves it. And she's been training for it for a minute. Since day one. And then even as you said with the, actually it was a Valyrian steel dagger. But if you think about it, that Valyrian steel dagger kind of started the entire war with the houses of Winterfell to begin with. Um, it was used to frame Tyrion. Uh, he was accused of pushing uh, Bran out the window and for sending that assassin to Catelyn Stark. So all of it is completely full circle. So... Yeah, it was great writing. Just great writing. Um, so it was, and, okay, so it was a Valerian steel mm-hmm. dagger, not a dragon glass dagger that Arya, yes. um, the brand gave Arya. Okay, yeah, okay. Arya had dragon steel, uh, dragon glass, but it was the 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 uh, spear that Gendry made her. Um, but yeah, Arya killed it. She definitely. Everyone compares Arya's story to like Batman. You know, she had her Batman beyond moment she she trained she, she lost her parents she trained for this and now she's like the hero so and it's, it's interesting to see how the opposites have sort of the the doing and the undoing because mm-hmm. the, it was the valerian steel that caused um the night king to be born and then it turns out that the dragon glass dagger is what essentially made him unborn right yeah right so right right um, yeah it's kind of cool to see that duality between those two weapons yeah yeah absolutely and i mean i think it all goes back to the children of the forest um they weave their spells through the dragon glass and the valyrian steel so 
that was the Night King's undoing, and that smug little face was wiped off. So, ow, bye. I didn't care about that death. Deuces. Uh, <laughs> so, the aftermath of the battle, first of all, who's going to clean all this up? Like, <laughs> Winterfell's in shambles, but, um, you know, they, they survived the night. Um, we had some deaths that we that all hurt us, but I mean, our fan favorites essentially are all alive. Grey Worm's still alive. Tormon's still alive. Jamie Brand, everybody's still alive. Um, and so they kind of steal themselves for the last war, essentially. Um, and then Melisandre, her job is done. So Davos is thirsty to kill this woman, like thirsty, like let it go. Um, so Melisandre, she's completed her mission. She's 800 years old. She's tired. She wants to end this. So she walks out. She takes off that necklace that kind of conceals her, her old age that kind of gives her her youth, takes off the necklace, walks out into the dawn and kind of disintegrates a la like end game snap um, and or infinity war snap and davos kind of looks on like his he don't have to do anything else she did it herself so um she kind of fulfills her prophecy where she told varies that she would die in this land and her work is done so can we just talk about the haunting score that played at the end (laughs) of this episode was just like one of the most beautiful sounding melancholic tones that i've heard in a long time and i'm just like i need to find out if uh the composer what his name rowan it was him it was him yeah it was him he's so good he's so good that that (laughs) music was just so epic and it just went so well and blended well with each of these scenes at the end making it this romantic beautiful story that completed its arc absolutely um yeah man i loved it i loved it it was so high fantasy like everything you love about high fantasy that's what it was um prophecies fulfilled dragons being slayed it was it was everything everything you want in 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 fantasy and television you had it all last night Mm -hmm. so it was great um so now our eyes are on king's landing um let's be real if Cersei has sent up the Lannister army, there would be a lot less deaths. So Danny is pissed and she's ready to go. And she says it very clearly. We have won the Great War. Now we'll win the last war. We'll rip her out root and stem. So Cersei, you in danger, girl. They're coming for you. Yeah, and don't forget, we are also our brothers, our two Lannister brothers are in danger as well because Bronn's got that arrow and uh, that bow and arrow. And we don't know what's going to become of them. So, yep. Yeah, there's there's more um, deaths to be seen. Yeah. But shout out to me because I said Jamie will survive to kill Cersei. You did. Damn. Yes. That might happen. <laughs> Just saying. So, yeah, that that basically wraps the episode. They beat the Night King. The Great War has been won. In one episode. <laughs> Alex, anything you want to add? Any final thoughts about next week or predictions or anything like that? So overall, this entire episode was epic. You know, I didn't actually expect the entire um, battle, you know, to start and end in one episode. But with that being said, what is it? Three remaining episodes now? Um, I Four, still- I think. Four? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Hey. No, three. Six and six. Is it three? Yeah, six and six. Okay. I do think Tyrion. I do think Tyrion is going to die. I don't know how, but we love him too much. He's done too well for him to survive. Uh, I do think Jamie's going to live, and we already know Cer- uh, Cersei is going to die. But I am curious to see what Arya is going to do. Like, I want to know what. <sighs> 
I, I just don't know. I think Arya's going to kill either Cersei or the Mountain. Either or is going to be her. Mm. <laughs> deep, deep thoughts. Deep thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I have no idea who's going to be killing who, but I just we. I know that Cersei obviously is going to die and not even because of the prophecy, just because she's a terrible character. Yeah. And we see what happens to really terrible characters on this show. Absolutely. So history sort of speaks for itself on that one, but um, just keep, I, I really want, I know I keep saying this, but I really want Tormund to live and have a relationship with Brienne <laughs> and make them just live happily ever after and ride off in the sunset and, and it would be just beautiful. So that that's my hope for the yes the and i <laughs> and i hope gray worm and masande retired to the to the island of noth and just drink mojitos yes. you know on the beach uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh let's get into uh, a question real quick from one of our our listeners um her name is tracy scott forson at i am underscore tls and she asked is drogon dead um, Jorah is not dead. He survives the battle. We see him swoop in and comfort Danny when Jorah died. Um, I think you're referring to Rhaegal. Rhaegal is not dead. Um, we don't know what happened to him, but we do see in the previews for the next episode that there's two dragons flying. So Rhaegal and and Drogon are alive and well, and Viserion is no more. So that wraps it up. <laughs> All righty then. Well, thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Thrones, y'all. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Angelica. I really appreciate your breakdown of this episode. I think it was incredible to watch. If you if you guys have any questions or you want to have comments to give to us for episode four, just tweet at BGM Podcast account. You can also tweet to at Black Girl Nerds. Use the hashtag Thrones Y'all on Twitter on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time if you wish to live tweet. And we will see you next week. Bye.